When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From our virtual studios in the Netherlands and Camarillo, California. It is time once again for the Marketing Geeks. Yes, I'm back, everybody. We and if are you, uh, back. The duo, That's the right. dynamic duo, the the whatever. We're back together crushing it feeling doing a, what we feeling do feeling a bit more rested if you don't know what i'm talking about please listen to the last episode because it's uh yeah it'll uh it'll explain all and man we have a show though oh buddy do we have a show this this i would say is probably going to be one of the best shows that we've done in a while that's right because today we, we have the immaculate, the incredible, the dynamic. Pat Flynn will be on the show with us, and he is—he's uh, pretty freaking awesome. Big Back to the Future fan. A lot of people That's don't right. know that, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we are going to uh, give you some information that will change your life. He—he actually—I uh, think he's going to change our lives. So, ladies and gentlemen, marketing geeks. Marketing geeks. Welcome back, Andre Sturgeon. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. I, uh, I don't have to talk to myself. It's weird, you know, when you're doing like, you're talking to yourself on a podcast. It's, it's not as interactive. Yeah. I know. Usually I do it, but I'm, you know, just kind of standing like in a dark room and I'm usually not talking, just kind of screaming <laughs> at nothing. It's just, you know, that's just how I roll. Yeah. So yeah, uh, amazing guests that we have. But before we do that, we got to pay a couple of bills. So please bear with us, folks. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. So uh, uh, yes, we are uh, we are about to roll an interview. We're about to have a guest, and uh, uh, before we do, let me uh, tell you about who this person is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the show. Pat Flynn is, uh, I am so honored to have this person because he is probably one of, I would say one of the better guests that we've uh, been able to. One of the bigger. Uh, one of the bigger uh, guests that we've been able to uh, fool into, I mean, uh, talking oh, to onto our show. Um, <laughs> Pat Flynn is a father, husband, and entrepreneur who lives and works in San Diego, California. He owns several successful online businesses and is a professional blogger, keynote speaker, Wall Street Journal best-selling author, and host of the Smart Passive Income and Ask Pat podcast. That's like two podcasts. That's and and it's the second, you're the second guest we've had that is in the book Crushing It. We had John Lee Dumas too, so... <laughs> Um, and altogether, he's earned a combination total of 60 million downloads, multiple awards, and feature publications such as the New York Times, Forbes. Uh, he's also an advisor to uh, ConvertKit, Leadpages, Teachable, and other companies in the digital marketing arena. He's also the author of a really great book. I recommend everyone uh Go out and get it. Will it fly? We'll put a, a, a link uh, down below. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Pat Flynn. Yay. Thank you for coming. Welcome to the show, Pat. What's up? Wow. Great. Intro. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah. So uh, we, uh, we uh, first of all, um, Will It Fly is, uh, is a really great book because uh, just to, and correct me if I'm wrong with the summary, but uh, boiling it down to its essence, it's basically a roadmap. If you, if you want to start a business, it's a really great way to go from ideation to figuring out if it's going to actually work as an idea. Too many people, they get a crazy idea and they just move forward, you know, arms flailing, no plan. What you did here is you basically have created a, a very simple step-by-step process that people can follow to make sure their business idea is going to work Testing. before they actually put the time and energy into it. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. One person described it as sort of a business litmus test. Ah. 
to go, okay, if you have a business idea, let's just see if there's even possibilities here before you put your time and money into it. Um, it also can help you filter the billions of ideas you might have, which is, you know, on the other side of the spectrum. And really it's just a guide. Uh, it's, it's a guide to do that because there's so many options and so many opportunities out there. It's just, how do, how do we know which one to go down? I mean, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who are very successful on paper, right? Millions of dollars coming in, in revenue, tons of employees, they should be happy, but they're not. And it's yeah. because they just started to go into a business that actually didn't fit into their life mm-hmm. and, and how they want to live. That's actually the first part of the book is not just about how does your idea you know, play in that market, but how does that idea play to you? Yeah, I remember that yeah. in the book, you, you talked about how you had thought about starting a, a hosting company, right? At one point. Yeah. So you I, And I still could because yeah. I, I push a lot of people toward a hosting company that I recommend. And a lot of people listen to me for, okay, if I want to get online, how do I do it? Mm-hmm. And I had a company come up to me and they wanted to partner with me. And I was like, wow, like this, this is a huge, this is a billion dollar opportunity. But I would also have to be in a suit all day and <laughs> care about like these thousands of servers and power outages. And it would just stress my life to the core. And I wouldn't be able to spend as much time with my kids. So in that way, it was an easy way to say no, because I mean, sure, there's all this money, but yeah, it doesn't make your heart sing really. And, and at the end of the day, that's it. And you know, the, the, for me, the litmus test with those types of things is, is, you know, sitting in, in a form of meditation and thinking about like that process of like, Oh, going to work the day to day of that. And if I get that feeling like, nah, then, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to move forward with it. So good for you for, for not uh, falling into that. I can say, I could say this definitively that um, I mean, I've worked, I worked in insurance for a long time and did pretty well as a sales agent for insurance, but I also was completely utterly miserable the entire time I was there. So uh, yeah, the sacrifice of corporate culture sometimes uh, is not worth it. I don't care how much money you make. It's just not worth giving up the freedom. And especially if you have kids, I mean, I have a one-year-old turned one two days ago. Um, And so it's, it's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I was going to say, I love that you mentioned that you meditate on that a little bit whenever you have a decision like that. Like that's sometimes all we need, like even before a purchasing decision, right? Sometimes we act out of impulse, but just a couple minutes to go, hmm, do I really need this? Will this make me joyful in life? Is this something that is just an impulse buy that can, that can save you a lot of money? And then on the business side, just thinking, okay, what would life, if this actually were to be successful, what would life be like on a day-to-day basis? Sometimes that's all that like just a little thought experiment like that can go a long way. And unfortunately, you know, what, like what, that. what's really interesting about this is that you, you are um, a time travel fan. We talked a little bit about back to the future <laughs> beforehand. Oh, yeah. And, and in will it fly, you talk about the idea of projecting yourself five years in the future. And mm-hmm. uh, part of the thought experiments I do around this type of thing is uh, I, uh, I imagine not only myself in the future, but I sometimes will, at where I am right now, if I'm having a great deal of success, I'll send messages to myself in the past. So at some point I set up a, a marker in time where I said, if I uh, allow myself, uh, I can send myself messages from different timelines. And uh, I find that actually eerily that works. I wonder if you have gotten into that sort of quantum meditation yourself. I, I haven't gotten into that. I mean, I've had a lot of thought about, hmm, if I... Uh, could go back into time and speak to my younger self, what would I say? Uh, you know, make sure you start your email list sooner and hire sooner, <laughs> those kinds of things. And, you know, don't worry about what other people think of you, but that's one that I would uh, definitely tell myself in, in high school. But no, I mean, partly just because uh, I haven't been trained to do that. So I'd love to hear more about that from you, actually. And also, I'm just always worried about breaking the space-time continuum. And <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, Albert Einstein said that, you know, all our problems are problems of our imagination. And really, our past, I mean, is our past even real? It's uh, the past. is just our memories of it. And it's uh, really, I mean, if you've ever studied NLP or anything like that, yeah. they talk about how everything is a representation of what you remember, but it's not the actual it's not the actual past. What you remember is not the actual past. What you remember is not like actually what happened. Do you just have a representation of what happened? And oftentimes it's skewed and wrong. Right. It's your uh, interpretation of those moments, those events. And, and the past, you know, is very real in how we take action. That's for sure. Big time. Like, I mean, yes, back to the future was a very fictional story, but the truth is, um, what you do now affects the story of your future. We just can't go back into time and change things like Marty did when, you know, his parents were 
were losers and then, you know, he changed a few things and then they were winners. Yeah. But uh, we, we can change, change the meaning. Things. We can change the meaning of things. And that's what we yeah. can do. So, yeah. The context. And, and this is something, this is something that, uh, you know, I think, I think that, that we can reprogram ourselves. Like, you know, a lot of people will continuously tell themselves a story of, oh, I, I, you know, I was abused as a child or neglected. And because of that, now it's this, right? And so mm-hmm. most of us are, are kind of, riding around in a bus that is driven around by a pissed off six-year-old because they were disappointed at their birthday party. Right. And that, that's their, their, their worldview. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, again, using a form of meditation, you could go back to that six-year-old and, and hug that six-year-old and, and give it the love that you didn't get. And then it will change the nature of the timeline to where you are right now and change the context of that. Mm. I like that. That, yeah, thank you for that, Andrews. Yeah. Uh, well, we weren't expecting uh, quantum mechanics here, huh? Dude, we're going deep. <laughs> <laughs> we go deep on, on marketing. Well, uh, let's, let's change gears a bit here. I want to talk a little bit about um, your journey with podcasting because, you know, we run, we're running our podcast here. Uh, we're starting to have a little bit of success. We're bringing on advertisers. But uh, so I know that you started out, um, I mean, I've, I've read Crushing It and I've read Will It Fly, but I know you started out in architecture and in 2008, you were... Uh, you lost your job and then you, you, you had, is it, you started with the, with the lead test. Is that what you started with? And basically you created like a study guide for that. And that took off unexpectedly. Um, exactly. What, In 2008 recession, right? I, I was a, a statistic like many other people at that point. And I was very inspired actually from a podcast that I found after I was told I was going to be let go because I had extra time. Uh, it was called internet business mastery. And I just so happened to come across an episode where a guy was being interviewed who was making six figures a year, helping people pass the project management exam, PM exam. I had no idea what that exam is. But I do know that as an architect, I took several different exams. One in particular being uh, the LEAD exam, uh, which stands for Leadership and Energy and Environmental Design, LEED, which was super hard, the hardest test I've ever taken, but I passed it. And I had a lot of coworkers ask me for help because I had that experience. And then when I heard Cornelius on this podcast, I was like, hmm, Maybe I can package this info I have and this experience and put it online. And that's exactly what I did. Fast forward to later 2008, I published a study guide, like you said, and it was $19. It was a $19.99 study guide. And man, I remember my first sale. It was just like the most mind-blowing moment. I was like, whoa, <laughs> somebody paid me. Like, I don't even know who this person is. It's just my website. But then I immediately started having those feelings like, wow, what if this person asks for a refund? What if they knock on my door because they're so upset that this is so terrible? What if the FBI comes because I shouldn't be making money? Like, (laughs) so illegal feeling. But what I started to get instead was these incredible emails of of thank you notes from people who were using my guide and passing the exam after years of studying. And I even had a person, her name was Jackie, and I can call her my first fan. She was somebody who who, who had been studying for this exam, failed a few times, and then finally found my material and passed. She sent me an email thanking me profusely and said, Pat, I'm your biggest fan. And I'm like, I don't understand how you could be a fan of me. I just helped you pass an exam. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. But what made sense to me was weeks later, I started to see 20, 30 new customers come in all with the same email address as she had, uh, like on the end. It was her company name. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. So I reached back out to her. And I said, did you, what did you do? Did, did something happen? She's like, yeah, I told everybody about you. And I convinced the boss to buy a copy of your guide for everybody. Wow. And I was just blown away. I was like, the, wow. the one person who I didn't even know, who I was able to help, uh, just really loved what I was doing and was able to share it. So the, the way that I've built my businesses now and the way that I share people creating businesses is to build for the super fan. Because it doesn't take very many super fans to do some amazing things to help be an ambassador for you. They defend you from trolls when they show up. They will <laughs> buy every product that you come out with before even reading the sales page. And it really is inspired by, and this is where my new book, Superfans, really comes into play. Um, Kevin Kelly, senior uh, editor at Wired Magazine, he wrote an article in 2007, just as I was coming up in the business space that was very inspiring to me. It was called A Thousand True Fans. And this article is basically the idea that you don't need to create a blockbuster hit in order to make a great living, right? If you're an artist, a musician, an entrepreneur, you just need a thousand true fans. Like people who, if you're a musician, they're going to drive eight hours to see you because they just love your music. And they're going to sit at the end of the concert backstage because they want to get your autograph and selfie. Like that's what a super fan is, right? If you had a thousand of those people, just a thousand, that's, le- that, that's one fan a day for less than three years. If you had a thousand of them, 
paying you $100 a year for whatever your art or craft or creation is, uh, that's less than $10 a month, right? That's a, that's a six-figure business. Yep. Already. A thousand times a uh, hundred. Let, let me ask you this. We've got seven <laughs> listeners. So uh, <laughs> we are doing... We're working on our eighth. Yeah. <laughs> but every, every time we get another, like an eighth one, then one drops off. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But let me ask but, you this, Pat. So do you think... Uh, I know you're a blogger. You've written a couple books. You've, yep. um, you've done podcasting. What do you think is the most like intimate to connect with your audience? Like which medium... Do you find that a certain medium connects better? Or do you find that just different people have different learning systems? Or what's your experience with that? The number one way to connect with your audience is in person. Like, obviously, right? Yeah, okay. And there's, there's likely meetups and conferences where you can go and meet your audience and meet your people and, and learn more about them, have conversations with them. Um, one-to-one conversations are, are fantastic, but it's not a scalable way to do it, but they're still fantastic. And even though I've been doing business for 11 years now and I have an email list of over 200,000, I still take the time every single month to try and get on a Skype call or a phone call with 10 email subscribers. And those conversations are the best thing I've ever done in my business because those, some of those conversations are just a couple minutes um, and, and, and they geek out a little bit sometimes, which is kind of funny. But other, other times, like I'll speak to somebody for two hours. I'm just asking questions like, okay, like what are you struggling with right now? Mm-hmm. And what, what do you wish was on my website that isn't yet? And I'm just taking notes. I'm like, boom, this is like from the mind of the person I'm trying to help as a representative of yeah. my entire audience. And so do you find it weird that you're me. like a celebrity to a lot of people? It's it's weird. It's super weird. <laughs> like I'll be on the street now, and uh, sometimes people come up and Peflin, are you Peflin? And I go, Yeah, <laughs> I love your podcast. And it's and the funny thing is this is that this is the other way to scale that intimacy is is a podcast. Hundred percent. I used to blog three times a week and podcast every other week when I first started podcasting, just because it was a little bit more difficult for me. But then I went to a conference and everybody couldn't stop talking about the show. And I was like, what about my blog? And like, yeah, Facebook tips, yeah, whatever. But yeah, you know, that story you told about when you had a baby and you didn't have insurance, like that just really resonated with me. And that got us to make sure we had all our insurance in place. And I was just like, wow, I should quadruple down on this thing. Mm-hmm. And then now I have five podcasts. I've recorded over 1300 episodes. Uh, it's just, it's, it's everything to me in terms of scaling the intimacy and building those relationships it's, it's what's the frequency of the five like because I, I don't i don't listen to all five but um so like how often do you do each, each podcast so smart passive income and ask pat are both weekly mm-hmm. uh the other shows are more seasonal so uh one day business breakthrough which is co-hosted with chris ducker a good friend of mine and that's only when he's in town because he lives on the other side of the world uh i have a show for the food truck niche website uh, that I have called... I remember Food that Burger. from Traffic and Conversions over there two years ago when you talked about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And my fifth one is with my son. It's called All of Your Beeswax. Oh. And he comes home from school. We record some shows because he's just super energetic. He goes to a pretty entrepreneurial related school. So uh, it, he, we just have some great conversations. I just wanted to capture them and help inspire kids and parents to have those kinds of conversations about entrepreneurship too. So That's really cool. How old is he? He is nine now. We started oh, that when we were cool. eight or when he was eight. Nice. Now I, I know you have a you have a conference coming up too uh, in July. I saw so you is it, this is your first one, right? Your FlynnCon annual first annual conference. Yeah, first one, uh, July twenty sixth to twenty eighth here in San Diego. People are like Flynn, like why would you name a conference after yourself? Oh, I like it. Which you know, <laughs> thank you. Um, but but my audience is known as Team Flynn, right? Like you could be on whatever team you want, Team Flynn, because hey, I'm the team captain, but. Hey, I'm going to pass you the ball every once in a while. And you're going to score, right? We're all in this together to help each other. We're, we're all on the same team. Um, and so that's why it's FlynnCon and FlynnCon 1 is coming up. And, and you know, I've spoken at uh, 100 plus events around the world. And I've gotten to know what works and what doesn't at each of them. And I wanted to provide an experience for my own community. You know, usually I get a, a segment of my community coming out to see me uh, when I go speak elsewhere. And I hold meetups and I'll, I'll run out a restaurant and we kind of just converse together. Super fun. So I was like, hmm, what if I bring everybody together for two and a half days? What kind of magic would happen then? And so I'll be speaking on stage. It'll be mostly me. It's not one of those conferences where there's like 50 speakers. It's like two guest speakers. And that, all of them make offers. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, God, no. Um, I've been to those and those just like, I want to take a bath. Those are rough. Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah. Um, I felt bad. One time I got invited to speak at one of those events and they were like, what do you want to sell? And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to sell anything. They're like, really? And I was like, yeah, I just want to deliver value. And they're like, okay. What's that? So I go to the event (laughs) and they go, hey, Pat, we also want to give you 50 tickets that you can give away to your audience for free. And I was like, 
whoa, like this is so like, what a great opportunity. And of course I invite 50 people, they come to Chicago Chicago, and then it's just a pitch fest. I'm like, oh, that's why you gave me tickets. (laughs) Uh, And I remember I was on stage and and I had, uh, I was near the end and everybody pitched. It was just so dirty, right? Yet still people would get up and spend thousands of dollars in the back of the room. I just couldn't understand. Yeah, I I don't understand that either, but I've been to those and I've seen it. So I've witnessed it. When I spoke, I pretended like I was going to pitch this like giant thing, right? Just like everybody else. Like, oh, here, here we go again. So I had like the setup and how much things cost. And nice. like, and I was like, <laughs> you know, you could spend $4,000 on something like this. You could spend a thousand dollars, but I'm not going to charge you that. And ultimately it was like, I'm not going to charge you anything. Here is my free thing. And every like, I literally got a standing ovation. It was... <laughs> I love that you did the pitch. That's great. So I got two questions. Uh, so two questions for you. First of all, um, what what can you go over like what the experience of FlintCon is going to be? Like what will like kind of what's the the roller coaster that you're going to take people on when they go to FlintCon? Sure. So FlintCon, my plan is every year it's going to be a different theme. So we're going to help people depending on where they're at. And this year the theme is Press Start. And that is uh, partly because there's a little bit of a video game motif and you'll see a lot of video game themes. We're actually doing a whole weekend long Mario Kart tournament, by the way. I'm a big Mario Kart fan. But like we're talking about, you know, uh, competition and coming so far yet failing. The actual two last people who are going to be battling each other are going to battle on stage in front of everybody. It's going to be it's going to be epic. (laughs) But uh, really, it's going to take people through choosing what your next big thing is that's that's day one or the 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 end of uh friday the 26th like when when we start the opening presentation will be about okay you have all these ideas similar to will it fly we're gonna pick one and we're gonna focus on that one the rest of the conference and the rest of the conference is like okay here are the challenges that you're going to face here are uh here's an exercise to help you find the community of people that that are going to help you and support you through this here are the roadblocks that you're going to come across. Here are all the things that you need to look out for and, and the tools and the things that are required to help you through that. Here's how you're going to find time to do this. That's, there's a whole presentation about finding time. Like, so it's, it's literally structured in a way where it's not just like, here's a podcasting presentation and here's a YouTube one and here's this, which usually just is like drinking from a fire hose for people, right? And they come back from these conferences super overwhelmed with all these great ideas and they never take action on any or they take action on all of them and none of them have the time and attention to actually do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- it's a really structured uh, sort of um, uh, format. Um, and there are some special guests, one at the end of each day, who I won't even mention until right before they come on stage. A lot of uh, conferences use the headliners to bring people in. Um, we're like 90% sold out now and without really even telling anybody what, what's going to happen when they're there. And I think that's just a testament to, uh, to the fans and, and to, to the community that I've been able to build over time. So um, that's kind of how it is. Exciting stuff. Nice. Nice. And, and, uh, and ne- next, I, I'd also love to find out because, uh, um, you know, Will It Fly uh, was fantastic, but now you've got super fans. Uh, can you kind of boil down what, what we're in for with that? And when can we expect to see that? Sure. So we touched on super fans a little bit, like with my story with Jackie, and that's how I want to show people how to build a real long lasting future proof business. Because the truth is when you build a community of, of fans like that, it doesn't matter what platforms there are, what happens in technology, they're going to find you and they're going to support you. Right. And where a lot of people are focused nowadays and the trouble is, it's all about bringing new people in, right? Like SEO and paid advertising. Like let's bring new people into the ecosystem, but then people forget about, well, what happens when people get there? How can you create those moments and those experiences that'll elevate them from, hey, like I just found out about you to, oh my God, I can't stop talking about you. And that's where your business can grow because those people are going to be people who are going to bring people in and grow your business for you. Not cold people, but already warm people because they'll be kind of recommending you to their friends and family and trusted ones. And so this book is the how-to for Kevin Kelly's Thousand True Fans. And it'll walk you through that step-by-step process. It's very tactical, very strategic. And it'll kind of take you from, okay, here's how you convince a person who just found you to stick around. And it goes over things like how to provide small, quick wins for people because small, quick wins are huge. It reminds me of when... Um, so there's this guy, a blogger named Ramit Seti. Uh, who is a financial blogger. And I followed him on and off for a little bit for a while. And this was even before I got laid off. 
But there was one article in particular that was a small win that got me hooked on his stuff. And it was this article where uh, the title was something like, save 20% on your cable bill reading this script in less than 15 minutes. I was like, really? Okay, I'll give it a shot, 15 minutes, whatever. So I opened the blog post and it's literally, a, you call your cable company and just read the script. <laughs> and I did that. And in 15 minutes, I was able to save 25% on my cable bill. Wow. And back then I was like very big into extrapolating like, oh wow, over 40 years, that's like six figures. Like he just made me, <laughs> right? And so I was just hooked on his stuff ever since. So providing small quick wins that you can offer your audience within 15 minutes of finding you, I mean, they're going to be hooked. There's like a lot of subconscious things happening there. Uh, Charles Duhigg, who wrote The Power of Habit, speaks about small quick wins all the time and how powerful they are to give people that feeling of reward. And then if you want to change a person's life, great. But start by changing their day first. So little, little strategies like that to help you sort of gather people, but not just gather them, to help them thrive in this community. That's like the, the second level is taking people from, okay, I know who you are to, wow, there are my people, this community. Because that's when you get people identifying with others as a fan of yours. Similar to, you know, if you're a sports fan, you see somebody else with the same cap, you can already, you know, have a conversation about that. Uh, fans of Star Trek, they all meet together. They're called Trekkies, right? Fans of Justin Bieber are called Believers. Like they have a name for these things. Um, my, my community is Team Flynn and anybody can have a community and, and, and uh, you can kind of, everybody flies that flag super high and roots for the team, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then from there, you know, you can build super fans. And, and, and my best tip for creating super fans really quick is just to provide unexpected moments of surprise, right? It's like if, if you have a spouse and you go, you, you go to sleep tonight at the same time every night and you always say, I love you, good night, I love you, good night. It just becomes like routine, right? It just becomes expected, right? And there's that one time like she doesn't say it back. And you're like, oh, are you mad at me? But she just fell asleep early. But that's, maybe that's just me. But anyway, sounds oddly specific. <laughs> yeah, I just made that up. Anyway, uh, but it's when you go into her office at three forty-eight p.m. with a flower and just say, "Hey, honey, I just I love you. Just wanted to give this to you. Hope, hope it makes your day better." Got it. And that's it. No plan. No, it was completely unexpected. I mean, immediately you're like the husband that everybody wishes they had. Like, oh my god, you're so your husband's so amazing. Like to just to get like well, like. I wish I had somebody who just thought about those small little things like that. And it, it doesn't take much to provide the same experiences for your audience and, and, and your customers where they go, wow, that just reaffirms why I'm here, why I love you so much. Like I'm going to share you with everybody I know because you know, you're actually paying attention to me a little bit. Yeah. It's a personal touch. And, and, you know, I feel that a lot of people don't, uh, they, they don't do active listening. They, they mm -hmm. just are kind of waiting for their turn to talk. Right. And uh, I think part of that is just kind of really, you know, a lot of things that, that you are touching on has to do with like kind of identifying the thing that, that people aren't identifying because they're locked in their own little, you know, world and, and being able to say, ah, this person is not getting this particular need met. I'm going to meet that need and listen to what they have to say about it. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the key to everything, uh, sales or marketing or um, whatever. But I, I, I was wondering about this character, like, you know, someone, because you're talking to people who are like, confident enough to build a fan base. What about the Marty McFlies, the people who don't have the confidence who, you know, because there are people who listen to our show who are just like, well, I want to do a marketing gig, but I don't, you know, I don't have any experience. Like, how do I do this? And I always say the same thing, which is just like you, all you need to do is just know a tiny bit more than the, the person in the room that knows the most. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't take much, right? Just bring whatever experience you have or bring in a, a wicked idea and, and just throw it out there. And, and, uh, but how, how would you handle somebody who, who wants to do all this stuff, but doesn't have, you know, they, they can't even open their mouths. Like they, they just, they just clam Marty up. How, what would you tell Marty McFly? <laughs> I would say, don't get in the car with your mom. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's uh, a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Bad idea, dude. Don't do it. Uh, although he had to do it. And anyway, uh, so what I would say to somebody who just is kind of chickening out, if you will, um, although Marty McFly would never chicken out because he hates when people freak out. So, you know, basically we're talking about my, my younger self, really. Yeah. Um, it's that, and, and it, it's exactly along the lines of what you said. You know, when I started my uh, architecture exam stuff, like I didn't think I was an expert. I actually barely passed that exam. But it was because I had taken it and because I knew more than somebody who just was getting started with it. I was the expert in their eyes. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of us, and it's perhaps human nature, 
for most people to not give ourselves as much credit as we deserve for the knowledge that we have. That's number one. Number two, you might see other people who are also doing the same thing and go, hmm, that person's been in the game for a while. How can I compete with them? You actually have a huge advantage starting out after somebody else does because you can avoid the mistakes that they make. You can, if you're creating a product that's similar to another product, go look at the customer reviews. Don't look at the one star. Don't look at the five star. Look at the three star reviews and go, hmm, this is what they liked about that. Here's what they didn't like. I'm going to make sure I only do what they like. I'm only going to incorporate that into my product. So you can get a lay of the land to see, okay, well, where can I land? Where, where, what's my position going to be? And that's something that people who are in the space already don't often think about. They, they're in, they're in their, they're deep and they're just kind of lost in their own world. Whereas you can come in from a bird's eye perspective, look at the map of everything that's going on. Here are all these companies and here's the missing holes. Here's where people need help. And that's where I can come in because I've done that before. And even though I don't have a degree in that, I have way more knowledge than somebody who has no experience with it. And I can go there and, and land that plane. And that's my positioning. Um, there's an exercise in Will It Fly called the market map, which is exactly this. It's, it's, it's discovering the lay of the land so you can determine your plan. I mean, and it doesn't take much. I mean, it, it, even if you don't know everything about it, you should still be, uh, be, be showing up because people need somebody to lead them. That's what people are looking for, somebody to take the lead. And that can and should be you. So uh, there's a guy who is in my podcasting course. His name is Phil. He is just a super nerd about scanners, like those little radios where you can listen in on like police lines and stuff. Yeah, yep. And he was very afraid of getting online and, and creating something because he's like, I'm not an expert in it. I just like, you know, enjoy this stuff. But then he started a podcast and he now has super fans who will retweet everything that he comes out with, who will listen to every podcast, who are there on his Facebook lives, just like Bill, like scanner guy, like he's become a celebrity in the scanner space just because he mustered up the courage to put himself out there. And the truth is this, your vibe is going to attract your tribe. Yes, there will likely be people out there who aren't going to resonate with you or don't care to listen to how you talk about Back to the Future. And that's, that's fine. But there will be people who find that endearing about you and, and will like you for you and will prefer to learn from you versus somebody else. Even though, yes, that other person may have more knowledge. It's not just about knowledge. Knowledge can be found anywhere now for free. It's about the personality behind it and the relationship that you're building and those little touches that are added on top of that or help you, are going to help you stand out amongst everybody else. I like that point that you made about looking at the three-star reviews. Because um, mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's easy to look at like the one-star reviews and then you, those, are, those are like the true haters of something. And you right. can, you're not going to get any information from that really. But the three-stars, you can kind of find the gaps, like you said. And you can, it's like, where can I add value? What are these people missing? Totally. Um, I think that's a great idea. Like the, the, the three-star reviews, especially on places like Amazon, will literally say pros, cons. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I mean, that's your best market research right there. Yeah, and I just noticed your DeLorean behind you there. I just noticed the DeLorean. I didn't see it. Got a couple of them. Oh, yeah. yeah I, uh, I've been eyeballing those. <laughs> yeah, the, the, there's a ton back here because I was taking pictures for, uh, for the book. Um, there's probably 30 pieces of Back to the Future memorabilia here that were all sent to me by fans. Um, that, that like I didn't pay for any of this stuff, which was just, uh, again, a testament. To <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> number one, my fans. But number two, what happens when you just are yourself? Everybody knows I'm a Back to the Future fan. As, uh, even now, like yeah. all of you listening know that. And, and what's kind of cool is, um, you know, the, 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 these gifts were like, you know, a thank you for, uh, for helping them in some way, shape or form. But I also have people who like, if Back to the Future is on TV, they tweet and they go, hey, Pat, I just saw Back to the Future on TV. I just thought of you, right? <laughs> so now all this Back to the Future stuff is like, quote unquote, marketing material for just me, yeah. <laughs> right? Because mm. it's sort of like inception. People know me for that. And inception. the same thing happened when, uh, when I was first starting out, there was a blogger named Jeremy Shoemaker. And the reason why I started following him was because he was big into UFC. And I was at the time a big UFC fan. I'm not anymore. Um, but that, that was the connection, right? To him and, and why I dived into his stuff and, and why I shared him because I was just like, oh, that guy likes, likes UFC. It doesn't mean you have to find people who only like the same things as you. But what's really happening here is I'm just being a human being online. Yeah. I have likes, I have dislikes. And those are things that you know about your friends. And if you never opened yourself people. up and told your back to the future story, then none of that would have happened. Exactly. Exactly. Versus other so, people who are building businesses who are like, need to keep it professional and I need a professional logo. And I'm only going to say professional things. I'm never going to talk about my personal stuff. That's us. I, I think it's a mistake. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm kidding. Oh, you should hear our last podcast. Um, so, so if you had a DeLorean right now and you could go back in time and show up to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself? How old are we talking? Because if I could go back to when I was five, I would say, don't put that Tic Tac up your nose. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's number one. But, but you, uh, got, you know what? You got to learn that lesson. You got to, because you, if you didn't do it then, you would have done it at 22. I'm telling you, because I did. Unless there was an online course telling you about it. <laughs> Not to. <laughs> I haven't put a Tic Tac up my nose since. So I did learn that lesson. Um, I, you know, if I could go back into time, a pivotal moment for me was high school. And I was very much into what other people thought of me, like more than anything. I wanted to be the cool kid. I wanted to be the trendy kid, whatever was trendy. I wanted to follow along. Um, and I was just so stressed when I wasn't liked, uh, by others. And luckily I found a good core group of people in the marching band where I, where I felt like I fit in, uh, fit in, but I still made other people's perceptions of me, my primary problem. And if I could go back into time, I would say, you know what, those people, you're never going to see them again after high school. They aren't the people who should matter to you. Here is your core group of friends. They all care for you. How can you help them? How can you build a stronger relationship with them? You don't need to be friends with everybody. And sure, people may say things. They might pick on you because you're only five feet tall, even though you're a senior in high school, which was the truth. And that's why I got bullied every once in a while. But the truth is, number one, you're going to grow a little bit more. So don't worry. And number two, you're going to build some amazing relationships with people who actually care about you. And that's what's going to help you succeed in life. That's, that's really amazing. And, you know, I, I, if I could teach my son anything, the, one of the main things I, I want to teach him is, you know, you can think your way out of any problem. You can make money doing, you know, just doing something. There's money on the table everywhere. You don't have to rely on someone else to make money. You can just find money and make money. But the third thing, which I think is the most important is that don't ever fall into the prison of worrying about how someone else is going to perceive you mm-hmm. because you're, you're going to, people are going to hate you no matter what people will like you just because you're standing there uh, for no reason. There's no telling, but you try and worry about that. You're going to go crazy. Totally. And uh, it's, it's a trap. So my, my uh, son well, came home from school one day. Uh, this was back in, in preschool and, and he was like crying. He was like, daddy, like, I thought this guy was my friend, but he, he called me weird. I was really upset. Like he called me weird. And so I look at him and I go, well, you are weird. And he's like, what? And I go, I'm weird. Your sister's weird. Your mom's super weird. Don't tell her I said that though. And the truth is what makes you weird is what makes you cool. It's what makes you unique. It, what's, it's what makes you special. If you weren't weird, I'd be worried because you'd be just like everybody else and you wouldn't be my son. And so from that point forward, he was very cool with like, you know, I have just unique things about me that are about me and I want people to like me for me. And I always preach, embrace your weird, right? That's why I have a lot of back to the I'm I'm weirdly obsessed with that, uh, that movie, but that's a part of who I am and I've embraced it and I've have it, I had it become a part of who I am. So if I was back in high school, I'd be like, Hey man, embrace your weird. You are five feet tall and you're a senior in high school. Like, Tell people to start calling you shorty. Like just embrace the fact that that's who you are and be cool with it. And uh, if only I'd known because I was just so worried. I was getting rejected by girls left and right. And I was just like down in the dumps every single day. Um, when I, uh, I could have been totally happy if I just reframed it. Yeah. Well, again, now, now this down to the, that, it comes down to like the meaning. Oh, really? So like you're, you're reframing the meaning of, uh, of like an insult. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like, okay, what does this actually mean to me? And somebody calls me weird. And it's like, yeah, weird is cool. So exactly. I, I like that you just totally reframing. Go ahead, Andres. But this also loops back into kind of the, the premise of your book, you know, being the super fan and really embracing who you are to find your niche audience, right? To, to really fall into, like, if you, uh, you know, if, to own it. I, uh, there's a great line, I think, in the, uh, in, it's in the first season of Game of Thrones. I don't know if you, you, you saw, I don't, I, I still got three episodes, so no one say yeah, anything. no spoilers, um, don't worry. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but when, uh, when Tyrion uh, tells Jon Snow, uh, you know, you're a bastard, and he gets all insulted, he goes, hey, embrace it. Nothing is going to change it, but if you embrace being a bastard, no one can hurt you. Mm-hmm. That's just, you are that, just be that and be the best 
you are in everything else. Just like Tyrion and, and, embracing the fact that he's an imp. Yeah, like, exactly. A super exactly. smart imp. And he uses that for his advantage. That's what he's good at. That's his superpower. So that's how he's gotten ahead. Yeah, and he should have had a podcast because he could have gone really far. Dude, yeah. Uh, so, video channel so you can see how short he is. <laughs> so, uh, so what's next for you? You've got you got FlintCon coming up. You got Superfan. You've got uh, you know we haven't even uh, mentioned uh, the website uh, that uh, you know that you want to talk a little bit about the website. Smartpassiveincome dot com. Yeah. So so to explain like how that is a portal to you and. Um, how people can get tickets to FlynnCon and when they can get the book. Thank you. Thank, thank you guys for letting me share this. So uh, FlynnCon1.com, F-L-Y-N-N-C-O-N-1.com. There may still be some tickets available, but it's selling out quite fast. Uh, the book, uh, Superfans, if you go to YourSuperfans.com, YourSuperfans.com, uh, wherever you pre-order it, that's where you can submit the receipt so you can get the audiobook for free. Uh, if you pre-order it. So that the, the book comes out August 13th. I'm not exactly sure when this episode will go out, but even if you get it after, uh, you can go to yoursuperfans.com and grab the book there. And it's available on Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, anywhere, which would be kind of cool. Um, and the website, passiveincome.com. I'm sorry? You do record all your audiobooks, right? You, you narrate I, them? I do, yes. Uh, I'm actually going in next week uh, at the time of this recording to go and record the audiobook. It's one of my favorite things to do because you can kind of riff a little bit, Gary V style, kind of go off the script and, and go crazy if you'd like. And that becomes a fun thing for all the listeners out there. Um, but uh, smartpassiveincome.com is a website uh, that you can go to to find a ton of business-related information. Everything from how to start your podcast to how to do affiliate marketing, um, you know, how to set up your LLC and get a business checking account, like all the things that you need. And it's also where you can find a history of my income reports. And this is what I became quite known for back in the day one of the first to do it, not the first, but one of the first where I was disclosing how much money I was making, how much money I was spending and where it was all going and, and where it was all coming from. And uh, the reason I did that before was so that I can just show people like le legit, like this is working and this is how it's working or wow, this was a bad month and this is why. So that people can just learn from those lessons and, and hopefully get inspired. How come, you, how come you stopped doing it? The reason I stopped is because now the income reports are... Uh, sharing that I'm making anywhere between two hundred to four hundred thousand dollars a month, mm -hmm. and that when people see that they just go, "Oh, well, I can't do that," yeah. and I'm out. Too intimidating, <laughs> right? So the income reports are still coming, but they're not. Here's all of my businesses in one spot. Here is a specific business and a specific campaign that we ran. How much we spent on the, on the webinar ads and how much we made from the sales and what we learned from that. It's a lot more doable and actually actionable. Um, I, it was just getting too distant from, from people and I'm here to inspire people, not make them feel bad. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Now, now I'm, I'm going to ask you a, a personal question about ourselves. So we've got our seven listeners, um, uh, out there and you know, we're, we're, we're getting downloaded pretty good. It's, it's definitely growing. Uh, we're, we're just getting the website going. What steps would you recommend that we do next? Now that we've got a small listener base, things are starting to roll a little bit. What would be the next steps that we should take on the marketing geek? What are the names of these seven people? Ooh. What, um, you, I mean, this is well, hypothetical. You, you don't need to answer that. Um, one of them is my now wife. She, oh, okay. She, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my wife's not one of them. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, what, what are their names? What, uh, what's their life like? What do they need help with? Like, that's the next step. Have a conversation in some way, shape, or form with that small audience because that's going to give you a huge advantage because they're going to tell you what they need help with. You're going to create it for them or, or be able to help them through that and do it on your podcast, do it on your website in, in whatever way. They're going to be blown away because they're getting this personalized sort of experience, which they can't get with bigger brands. Again, the advantage of small. And you're going to be able to attract people just like them. And they're also going to help you. They're going to be super fans more quickly because of it too. Um, it, all businesses come from the problems that are out there, right? hey, I don't want to stand all day long. Enter chair, a solution, <laughs> right? So this is like everything you see around you, the microphones that we're using, the boom arm, the, like everything is a problem solver. And so you can be a problem solver too. But where most businesses go wrong is they just go, I think my audience would enjoy this. There's no reason to think. <laughs> you have to take the guesswork out. And now that you have an audience, and especially because it's a small one, you have an opportunity to, to really dig into what they need help with. 
That's great. Well, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say, uh, Justin, based on this, we need to, uh, every week solve someone's problem. I think that's a great idea. I like that's it. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pat, uh, I cannot thank you enough. We would love to have you back on the show. I know you're limited on time. I know you went a little bit over. I cannot thank All you good. enough for, uh, taking your time to uh, be with us here today. Uh, Pat Flynn, go buy his, uh, book, uh, and, uh, you know, go, go buy tickets to the conference. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, guys. Go to the conference. I'm, I'm in the Netherlands. So, uh, you know, well, be- I, I'm in Camarillo. I might make it out there. We'll see. Camarillo, my yeah. marching band in, in, in high school would do a, an annual Christmas parade through Camarillo. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah, that's where I well, am. Uh, if you, if <laughs> FlynnCon goes international, uh, you need to, you, we need to hang out, man. Hey, you know, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Flynn, everybody. Uh, thank you again. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, it, see you uh, back to the future, I guess. Yeah, we'll see you back to the future. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. <Yeah. laughs> So uh, big news, big geek news, uh, Terminator trailer uh, dropped. And the way that it dropped, the way that I uh, saw it, I was on Reddit and Arnold Schwarzenegger himself dropped the trailer on Reddit and immediately started doing an AMA and ask me anything. That was brilliant marketing, brilliant marketing, because uh, it created this viral fervor almost immediately. And, and, uh, and because Arnold is such, he's just a graceful guy. I mean, he got kicked in the back and instead of being mad or pressing charges, he's just like, I hope the guy just gets his life together. That is no way to get a Lamborghini. I mean, it's just, it's, <laughs> he's just like, he's just, you know, he's just cool. So uh, yeah. anyway, he, people yeah, he were got, asking. He got drop kicked, drop kicked in the back on video too. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he just, uh, he was just cool about it. So, uh, you know, he talks about that. He goes, you know, some people, he wrote like some, some people try and crush my hand cause they think I'm the Terminator, but I'm human, you know? So, uh, but he, he was gracious and sweet and, and he, he stayed online for like two hours just answering random questions. So, uh, I, I, I found that to be a really cool sort of way to not only kind of solidify his reputation, but, uh, addressing the super fan as uh, Pat Flynn has just talked about. So oh, I, that's very true. Yeah. So, so as far as like a marketing from, from a marketing standpoint, uh, doing that as, as a way to release the trailer, I think that whoever planned that, that was, that was utterly brilliant. Just utterly brilliant. I'm just impressed by your ability to connect Terminator to Pat Flynn. I'm, I'm, I'm just blown away. Well done. Yeah, man. Well, you know, that's, it's six degrees of geek. That's, that's the, that's the whole thing. I guess I'm a Terminator super fan. Cause I'm one of the few people that's like committed to going to this movie. Now I wasn't, I, I think we watched the trailer. I was not blown away by the trailer. Um, it's, you know, it's cool to have Linda Hamilton back. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. And it's very exciting to have James Cameron back in the producer's seat. And he came up with um, the story. And with it's, the his, he, yeah, and he, it's his story too. He came up with the story. So, uh, he didn't, he didn't write the script, but, uh, uh, he oversaw the production, uh, he produced it. So we will see, we, we will see how that, how that goes. We will see. Now, on, I, I on will the other hand, I'll be there. we didn't talk about the new star Wars trailer, but, uh, all I can say is, and this really pains me, what I'm about to say deeply pains me to say this, <laughs> but F you star Wars, F you, <laughs> that's, that's it. Like I, that's it. I saw, that's all we have for Star Wars. That's it. I, I saw like I saw images flashing on the screen, and I just kind of tuned out. Now, on the other hand, somebody flipping over a Tie Fighter looking ship. Whatever. It fighter, it's, like you know what? Fighter. Quest for cash. That's you know. I'm I'm just hoping that the uh, that the the guys who uh, did Game of Thrones, who are now doing the next trilogy, I hope they're able to like actually make something good. But uh, I'm I'm kind of over Star Wars, and that was that was a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal. God, I'm talking like Donald Trump. Uh, I can't pronounce anything. Pivotal, pivotal uh, film trilogy in my life. It was like it it shaped my whole reality on some level. Well, you know what's exciting that we haven't talking about? We have not been talking about, which is tying to time travel. Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get into spoilers here. So, so, uh, skip forward a few minutes. If, uh, if, if you haven't seen Avengers, I was finally able to see it because of my uh, crazy adventure. I missed it, uh, when it first came out, but I saw, uh, Avengers and, uh, I have to say that uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was very satisfying. 
That said, the time travel stuff was messed up. Yeah, so we have a lot. I mean, so it's interesting because we, we talked about Back to the Future in this episode. Then we talked about Terminator, which is also a time travel movie which has lots of different like set rules. Like the Terminator rules in the original trilogy yeah. were basically that you like the past affects the future, which is similar to Back to the Future rules. Right. But it was also almost like that, like no matter what you do, like nothing changes because it kind of felt like that anyway in Terminator because it, because it was like if Sarah Connor if uh, if Kyle Reese had not traveled back in time to meet Sarah Connor then John Connor would have never been born which was like a, a little paradoxical loop time loop you call that a time loop right and they, they they address that a little bit in Avengers where it's like you can go back in time and try and change the past but you don't change your future. Uh, but you I can even I, kill yourself in the past and, and you don't die. See, no one addressed this. It's like, well, <laughs> what if you kill yourself, you know, and Thanos actually came into the future from 2014 to the present and the, 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 the Thanos war basically happened early, but the Avengers won. Uh, but, but doesn't that change the timeline on some level? I, I, well, I think it does. It's just that what they're saying is there's alternate timelines. So it splits it into all these different alternate timelines. But the timeline that you're on doesn't change. So this your is true because they, they did deal with the multiverse because out of, uh, you know, the 1,400,000 blah, 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 blah uh, outcomes, uh, there's only one and where they – Have you caught they, the trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home? Have you caught the trailer? No. <laughs> so So – so uh, I heard through the great – I basically stayed off the internet um, to avoid any spoilers with Avengers Endgame. I've, I've still stayed off the internet kind of to avoid any spoilers because I'm watching the end of uh, Game of Thrones. I have like three episodes left. but uh, So no one tell me what happens. But uh, I, I, uh, I went to the movies and I was sitting next to Iris and uh, my son – and the preview for Spider-Man came on and I got up and I booked out of there and, and both of them, my four-year-old and Iris just looked at me like I was an insane person <laughs> because I, I knew that they were going to give away the ending and I hadn't seen Avengers Endgame yet. So then I went to go see Avengers Endgame, right? Uh, they actually have a very good uh, 3D IMAX theater uh, here. Uh, everything has subtitles, but uh, in Dutch, but they, it's all in English, thank goodness. And so the movie started and sure enough, they played the preview before Avengers Endgame. And I thought I was no way they did. So like a lunatic, I stick my fingers in my ear and I start humming very loudly and close my eyes. And the people behind me and next to me must have thought I was an insane person. But uh, I, I was committed. But I, I mean, you know, my other option was to kind of run over people to get out of the theater. But uh, but I uh, I was able to avoid any spoilerish uh, stuff, and then I enjoyed my uh, Avengers Endgame time. But overall, well done, I, well played. Thank you, well thank played. You. Uh, like a true geek. But uh, overall, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was uh, I thought it was awesome and uh, very. I, I thought it was satisfying. I thought that the way they wrapped up everything uh, felt very good to me. And and uh, I, I'm uh, I'm a super fan of of so the back Marvel back to my original question. Have you yeah. seen the Spider-Man trailer? <laughs> yes, I finally saw the Spider-Man trailer. OK, so they because Mysterio says that he comes from another dimension, at least in the, that's what he says in the yeah. trailer. So they're, they're addressing the multiverse much more in that movie. And it sounds like they're going to be uh, they're going to be doing more of this multiverse stuff, which is the only way they're going to bring in the X-Men and the only way they're going to bring in Fantastic Four, I guess. Or I mean, I guess they could come in, but the X-Men yeah. can't come in without a multiverse. Well, I heard a rumor. I don't know if this is true, but I heard a rumor that the uh, Vision, uh, a, a, a Scarlet Witch show, which is going to be coming on to the uh, Netflix killer Disney, Disney Plus, Plus. Disney Plus. Um, is, uh, you know, because they're doing their own Marvel shows that are going to directly tie into the MCU in the way that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel uh, Netflix shows did not. Uh, so they're, 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 they're doing a continuation of the Marvel Universe. But uh, the rumor has it that they decide to – that she goes back in time, she grabs Vision, and they go back to the 50s to uh, kind of settle down and before anything bad happens uh, you know, in, in the world. And when they're there, something Is happens. Is Captain America there too? Because, I mean, Captain America should be back there. Well, that, I'm sure that that will probably work its way in. Uh, but something happens where uh, the Scarlet Witch basically creates some sort of mutation that creates 
the mutant gene that then creates the X-Men. So that's the- I like that. That's a cool potential plot line. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you heard it here first. Sorry if I spoiled it for anybody. Yeah. so uh, uh, in other news, uh, Disney Plus is uh, six months away, and their, uh, their price point is going to be $7.99. They're going to have a much bigger catalog than anybody at this point. And uh, I see it as the end of I – think, I think Netflix is in big trouble. I think Netflix is in well, very, I, You very know, it's trouble. amazing, though. It, but the fact that they bought that studio, 20th Century Fox, means that they have the rights to these movies. They don't have to yeah. pay. Netflix forks out a fortune – for the rights to, to stream those movies that they stream. Yeah. They don't, I mean, they, they have their original content, which is, you know, that's a, that's a, it's becoming a bigger part of their catalog. Um, but the rights for st- the streaming rights are going up and up and up and up. It's costing more and more to stream these movies. And I imagine that, you know, uh, for a while, Fox will probably continue to license some of these movies to Netflix just for like a no. short period of time. No, they're, they're, they're pulling everything. Them off right away. Right away. Yeah, right. they're, okay. they're going to pull everything. And there's going to be uh, uh, no uh, 20th Century Fox, no Disney content. Uh, and that's also ABC shows. So shows that were on ABC that they're licensing also uh, are coming off. So uh, it's going to be... It's going to be very – I mean the other thing is, is that the, the content that Netflix is producing, they're putting something like $4 billion into – or no, more than that. I think it was yeah. $14 billion into original content. But and They have uh, a lot of debt. They have a lot of debt my understanding. Yeah, and, and, and uh, truth be told, I don't, I don't think a lot of their con- original content is that fantastic. I think it well, you know what? I, uh, there's, a, there's a Netflix employee that's agreed to be on the show. Oh. So I'm hoping I'm hoping to get him on in the near future. We can we can talk about some of this stuff, and, and I'm I would, sure he'll have I, a different spin. <laughs> I, would, I would love to do that. Um, in yeah. other geek news, this actually doesn't affect anyone in the United States really, but it kind of affects me. Uh, uh, Huawei, which is uh, uh, if you don't know Huawei, a lot of Americans don't. It's spelled H-U-A-W-E-I. They're one of the largest cell phone manufacturers in the world, and. Um, they have, uh, they actually, I have one of their phones and it has one of the absolute best, uh, cameras I've ever used on any device. It's, it's, a, it's the, the, the photos it takes, the videos it takes, it's, it's stunning. It, I can't believe how good it is. And, um, uh, Google has, uh, pulled their license. So in the short run, you'll be able to, if you have a Huawei computer or tablet or anything, you can uh, be supported by Google, but future versions of the Android operating system will not be available. Maps may not be available. And uh, this uh, most likely ties into uh, individual number one's trade war, which is going spectacularly well. Uh, and, I, I, was uh, something, <laughs> I was reading something also though about like, there was a fear of like Chinese spying in the like, built into the tech. I don't know if that, yeah. this might be, this might be like, total hearsay conspiracy theory but uh no it's not actually this is yeah yeah i've been i've been following this so according to uh what i understand and and you know uh listeners please correct me if i'm wrong but uh uh from what i understand the uh huai has uh, a very advanced 5g kind of infrastructure that they could put up and uh the trouble is that huai is also kind of run in part by the chinese government some people uh say no that's not true but the way that it works in China is that if you do business, you have to deal with the Chinese government. And so if they say, put a back door in there, then they're going to do that. So basically uh, in the U S they, the U uh, S security uh, apparatus basically has said that everyone uh, who uses Huawei, like any, any, for instance, any American contractors or uh, government workers are not allowed to use those devices because they're worried about data going through Chinese servers and being uh, scraped. So the the worry is if we, you know, 5G is the next version of the internet where the whole infrastructure is going to basically be a lot faster. You can, you you know, you can get gigabit speed on, you know, wireless devices with 5G. Uh, But the trouble is, is that if the network is built by uh, Huawei and run by the Chinese government, essentially, then data going through it will pass through their servers as well. But then again, if American companies do it, it's probably going through the NSA. So it really comes down to, does the NSA want to, you know, track you and take all your information and go through it? Or do you want it to go through the Chinese government? Um, but it, it has, it has a secondary purpose. And that is, you know, uh, China has built uh, the great firewall. They have basically their own version of the internet. You can't get Google in China. 
And uh, so the way that, that uh, it's, it's working currently uh, is that if you search for certain things in China, those search results will not show up. But on top of that, this new 5G network will be able to kind of track everybody in this whole new hyper real way. They have this, this dystopian uh, credit system that they've implemented where uh, you, you basically start off with a certain amount of points and you lose points if you do certain things like talk against the government. You can earn points if you turn in your neighbors. It's very Black Mirror. It's like it's crazy. It's very much but, that, that Black Mirror episode with, uh, with what's her name? Ron Howard's daughter, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, yeah, uh, Bryce, Bryce Howard. Uh, yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard, absolutely. And so, so what we're looking at with the future of the internet isn't just about, you know, uh, internet, uh, you know, information being kind of treated equally. It's also a matter of how our information goes through servers and how we're tracked uh, with all of this stuff. So the, the next I, version I of the one, internet is kind of scary. Well, I have one more thing I want to share. Um, on, on Tech Meme today, there's an article about Amazon releasing a new wearable technology device that's going to be able to recognize human emotions. <laughs> so it's like a health device, yeah. but it'll recognize human emotions. So soon, like when you're excited, they're probably going to be like, oh, now we're going to run the ad to them. <laughs> Because oh you know God. Amazon, like they listen. I mean, they have they don't listen directly. Well, maybe they do, but they they mainly like run it. Through, I think they run like automatic transcriptions and like look for certain keywords. And I, I swear to you that that's how they're doing some of the advertising and some of the data. Oh data. yeah, well you know they they have a technology that's a facial recognition technology. They're going to sell to all the police departments. And uh, so, in fact, there was a shareholder meeting just yesterday and and basically Amazon approved the sale of this technology to uh, police. So and San Francisco put legislation against it already. Oh, man, we this is a this is a crazy what a crazy word like this is. If my dad so we're, was we're entering, alive, we're entering a very odd. Yeah, we're entering a very odd time where I mean, we're, we're getting into that like police state and. Uh, and it's it's kind of like uh, all those movies, like Enemy of the State. Or <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally. Well, yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's Big Brother, but instead of Big Brother, like in, in the 1984, Big Brother was this like oppressive force that, you know, you could not shut off your TV. The camera was always on you and you had to like, you know, it was shameful to talk about, uh, you know, if you were caught doing something, you had to tell everyone about what you did and. Uh, your sins and all that stuff. And uh, now uh, Big Brother is there, same thing, except we keep the camera on us. Yeah, Big Brother's singing and dancing, <laughs> entertaining us, you know. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a wild time. Well, well we got to wrap uh, up, man. we got to wrap up. we got to wrap up. But uh, uh, stay tuned, everybody, for uh next couple of weeks. We've got some really great guests. Uh, anything else you want to add, my friend? Uh, just that, uh, go get your tickets to FlynnCon, go get your tickets or, or go get, uh, go get Pat Flynn's book, go reserve it. So we'll have a link to go reserve Pat Flynn's book, go get your tickets. And, uh, I'm going to try to make it out there. So I might be out there. There's a good chance. All right. And with that, another fine episode of the marketing geeks. Thank you everybody for sticking uh with us and uh you can help us out by leaving a review and uh telling 500 of your closest friends and we're going to start a new segment so if you have a question for us we want you on the show we want to help you out with whatever marketing issue that you have if if we don't know we will find out the answer for you we will do the research and, and most importantly if you personally know keanu reeves we want to be introduced to him again Andre's already met the guy but we need to be reintroduced because we need keanu reeves on this show we just need it Keanu Reeves is an amazing cat, and I only met him for a few minutes. We talked motorcycles for about 20 minutes. I really like the guy, and uh, I will. Uh, I would love to share my Keanu Reeves story again with anyone who wants to hear. Or if you know a celebrity, you know even a quasi celebrity, we'll take we'll take quasi celebrities. We love quasi celebrities. Do you know Eric Roberts? Oh, we'll please. have him on the show. Please get us an introduction to Eric Roberts. Please, please, please. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right, everybody. Thank you again for being part of the Marketing Geeks family. Do you have something geeky you want to talk about? Let us know. And with that, from all of us at Marketing Geeks, stay classy.
Let me look at the oh wait, Terminator. We can talk about, I mean, let me watch the Terminator trailer real quick and then we'll talk about it. Did you watch it? Okay. I did. I gotta watch it right now. You can we can record me watching this will be part of the show. Me me watching the Terminator trailer live. My live reaction. It's like those YouTube videos, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're live tweeting this. Okay, there's a road. Okay, 20th Century Fox, it's owned by Disney. Okay, so there's a bunch of people in a truck. Bulldozer running over cars. Is that girl a Terminator? No, that guy's a Terminator. She is, uh, that, that will be answered soon. Okay, that guy's a Terminator, and he's, he's like a, he's like a nano-Terminator. He looks like kind of like an Iron Man. Oh, she just like she just got scraped. Is she a Terminator? Am I a Terminator? Maybe. Okay, here's Sarah Connor. I I'm could sure be. This is Sarah Connor. Yep, this is Sarah Connor. Bang bang, bang bang bang. Okay. There she is. She's got a very big gun. She's got a bazooka. Producer James Cameron returns. Oh, she is a Terminator, I see. Tim Miller, Deadpool. I think, uh... So... I think Sir Connor's aged pretty well. Yeah, she looks pretty good. There's Sir Arnold. Yeah. Why is Arnold... Like, they killed him in Terminator 2. So, like, there's, like... Why did they send another Arnold? Man, why why did they make all the sequels that they made? That's what I want to know. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't. Looks like some cool Terminator on Terminator action. Definitely got some. Uh, yeah. I'm not blown away though, I'll tell you that. Nope, nope. I'm I'm half excited. Yeah. I'm half excited for this movie. So uh so I was surprised. Really? Well, you know, they're they're gonna save okay. the good stuff for, so, uh, for later. So that wasn't uh, actually so for those of you let's just pick let's pick up right now. That? that was not part of the episode. <laughs> yeah. No, no.